FedEx Forum, Growl Towels, Super Grizz, each one a Memphis Grizzlies tradition. This is the Grizzlies Podcast. What's up, everybody? We are back for another week of the Memphis Grizzlies Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Barnes. We're joined by your Grizzlies beat writer, DeMichael Cole. Uh, DeMichael, let's get into it right away. Last we're recording this on Thursday, so last night was Wednesday. John Morant gets his franchise record sixth triple-double with the Grizzlies, um, which was a great moment in the game. Obviously a win yeah. against uh, obviously a win against the Thunder. Everybody was celebrating. Kari Morant, Josh daughter, led the team with the gritty post-game. Um, but then after the game, we got the update on Desmond Bain that we all expected and Desmond Bain will be out for another three to four weeks. So, to Michael, let's get into it. We all knew that the two to three week timeline the Grizzlies told us um, was kind of just a, you know a reevaluation period. It wasn't that he was going to come back in two to three weeks. So now that we know when Desmond Bain will probably be coming back, what is your reaction to kind of you know the news and what this means for the rest of the calendar year for the Grizzlies? So the thing uh, with this prognosis the initial prognosis was Desmond Bain you know would be reevaluated in two to three weeks like you said and I think some people kind of saw that language and said you know oh okay he'll be back three weeks right but you know like I said talking with Dr. Kenneth Jung you know prominent doctor out of LA who has worked with you know the LA Kings LA Clippers LA Lakers and, and many other athletes from that area from that conversation you know, I gathered that that language where they said reevaluated in two to three weeks was very, you know, important. So I assumed maybe a, another week or two, uh, but we see now it's three to four weeks. So this kind of puts him in the timeline where uh, it's almost, you know, will he be back for Christmas or will he be back, you know, before the new year and those type of questions. But uh, right now, you know, as we're currently speaking, uh, the Grizzlies are on a four game win streak. And one of my biggest questions when Desmond Bain got hurt was we have not seen the Grizzlies win consistently without Desmond Bain. We've seen the Grizzlies win without Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, and we've seen them win without Dylan Brooks. But we have not seen this team win without Desmond Bain. And now, you know, after a rocky start, you know, I think they lost four of the first five games without Des. Uh, we're starting to see the Grizzlies kind of turn a corner here. And, you know, some other guys are kind of picking up the slack. Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting because I do think that, and I noticed this during the game, like, you know, I said this, I said this after the news broke, is that the Grizzlies can find a way to win without Ja. They've won without Jaron Jackson. Desmond Bain is a little bit tricky to replace because what Desmond Bain brings to the table is three-point shooting at a consistent rate that the Grizzlies have sometimes lacked. And I think that's what's going to be interesting is can they keep this going, you know, without – one of their, you know, best players, just frankly. And Desmond Bain, it's unfortunate because, again, he was playing at a possible all-star level, you know, before he got hurt. And now he's got to wait till possibly, you know, at best, maybe the end of the year, definitely after the Christmas game against the Warriors, probably. Um, he has to wait until probably 2023 to get back out there. So it's unfortunate. But, yeah, the Grizzlies are going to have to find yeah. ways to um, – you know, keep keep doing what they're doing, replace the shooting. But obviously, as they, you know, face against certain teams, that's where we're really going to see. Like, my eyes right now are looking toward that Milwaukee Bucks game next week. Um, how will they, you know, will they have the guys ready for to contribute that game? Will they feel Desmond Bain's presence missed against them? Um, so we will see. But, yeah, it's definitely something where, on the good news, you know how long Desmond Bain will be out for. But the bad news is 
he's probably not wearing a uniform until at best maybe the tail end of the year, but possibly that early 2023, right? Yeah, and, and you touched on, you know, something uh, that I wanted to make note of was that the fact that, you know, he's going to be out so much time now. You know, we kind of thought, oh, this the way, the way this season started for Desmond Bain, 24 points, 24.7 points, I think it was, five rebounds, close to five rebounds, 4.9 rebounds, 4.8 assists. So basically a 25, 5, and 5 player. And he was playing at an all-star level. I mean, it's it's tough. It's deep competition in the West, but he was playing at an all-star level. And we know, you know, how those things can factor in when you get into contract status. We know, you know, his extension, you know, is he's contract, he's extension eligible, you know, in the summer. And all those things, you know, they factor into, you know, these these little small uh, things that happen during the season. So, you know, this kind of, you know, it's a bummer uh, from that regard for Desmond Bain. He's having, I mean, a career year. But, uh, you know, it's probably going to pretty much end his all-star chances, but the chances of him, you know, still being a, a gratefully impactful player and earning, you know, the big bucks in the offseason is still there. So uh, now it's just like you, you mentioned it. Uh, that game against the Bucks is, is one that I think, you know, specifically stands out to me as well because with this Grizzlies team right now, uh, the three-point shooting – is is improved, I would say, from last season. Not even, you know, just from the numbers, just from the perspective of more guys are more than capable of making three-point shots and more guys are taking more. Dylan Brooks is taking more three-pointers, you know, this season than last season. John, John Moran is converting at a higher rate. You got a guy like David Roddy, who I think over his last 10 games or so is shooting around 40% from three-point range. So, again, they talked about adding, a, you know, a rookie who could really shoot it from three-point range. He's been that guy as of late. So overall, better shooting outside of Desmond Bain. But that Milwaukee game is where they'll get tested the most because we know uh, if there's a team that can protect the paint, it's the Bucks. with Brooke, Brooke Lopez is arguably your, your defensive player of the year at this point of the season. And then Giannis Antetokounmpo, I mean, what else needs to be said about what he does defensively? And he's a former defensive player of the year as well. So that'll be a challenge. And the Grizzlies will have to shoot the ball well, you know, against a team like that. So we'll see over the course of the next three to four weeks how the Grizzlies play. But, yeah, uh, it's a it's a big stretch. Right now the Grizzlies are second in the Western Conference. So they're in a great spot. But now you have to sustain that. Absolutely. And I'm just going to throw this stat out there. Before Desmond Bain was hurt, the Grizzlies, I believe, you know, it was only a 13-game sample. But they were ninth in the league in three-point shooting before Bain got hurt. Now they're down to 19th in these games without Desmond Bain. So clearly the three-point shooting will have to come from somewhere. But as you said, all is well because the Grizzlies are still one of the best teams in the West in terms of record. And it's not all doom and gloom because also yesterday, Zaire Williams returned. And, you know, obviously, you know, had a, had a quiet game. But just to have him back on the court again was a positive sign. And I think it's going to be interesting because we've all talked about how much Zaire Williams is going to be. His development was going to be something we would watch this season because it could affect a lot of other things as well, mainly what the team might do with Dylan Brooks at the end of the year. So obviously one game isn't a great sample um, with a quiet performance, but just to Michael, now that Zaire Williams is back, what do you see now his impact will be, you know, kind of going forward since most people haven't seen him play since the summer? Yeah. So, you know, what's going to happen is he's going to go through the, the same ramp up and, and slow process that Jaron Jackson Jr. has experienced uh, so far. We're talking about, you know, patella tendonitis and his knee. And what we learned, Devin, was 
this wasn't something that just creeped up, you know, in the preseason. And they were like, all right, that's it. Uh, he dealt with this last season. You know, they said just knee soreness and things like that. So this is something that the Grizzlies decided to really take their time on getting him back because they wanted to say, hey, this problem is in the past now and you don't have to worry about this anymore. Now that he's expected to be fully healthy, uh, I think Zaire Williams will be a big part of this team. Uh, we mentioned, you know, what he can do. And, and in the summer, we talked a lot about, you know, the Grizzlies putting him on the ball more, right? Well, his first, you know, big contribution in his first game was he was in the pick and roll with Brandon Clark, and he he dropped off an assist to him. In my mind immediately went, we did not see that last season. Not not that he couldn't do it. We just didn't see him get those opportunities. So the proof is already in the pudding in the first minutes of his first game that the Grizzlies are going to put him in more pick and roll opportunities where he can pick his spots to, to score. He can pick his chances to get teammates involved. We saw it a lot in summer league. We saw glimpses of it in the preseason before he went down, you know, against uh, the Magic, I believe it was as well. So all things considered, uh, I think Zaire Williams is is a big piece because here's another thing. The Grizzlies have kind of used a nine-man rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, historically speaking, you know, you can attest to this uh, even more that the Grizzlies are traditionally a 10 man rotation team under Taylor Jenkins. But the injuries have kind of positioned them to to play nine players. Well, now that you have Zaire Williams back, you can kind of trend yourself, you know, more towards, you know, 10 men, especially when a guy like Jake LaRavia, you know, who gets back healthy and things like that. So all in all, uh, I think Zaire Williams is a big piece. Remember, uh, I think if Zaire Williams doesn't get hurt, He's starting right now alongside Dylan Brooks and John Conchar is coming off the bench. So circumstantial things have kind of led to him coming off the bench. And that's another thing I want to see play out as well, too. And it'd be good to get your input on that one as well. Um, when Zaire Williams, you know, gets comfortable, I'd say, you know, maybe two weeks from now, uh, does he move to the starting lineup? Because I think we, we, we can agree that he has a bigger offensive skill set than John Conchar, but John Contra is filled in nicely, but, you know, John Contra has his limits as well. But there's also, you know, a positive to having Zaire Williams come off the bench, playing alongside, you know, Tyus, playing alongside Brandon Clark and kind of solidifying that bench as well. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. Um, I, I do think that for, for now, the best thing for the Grizzlies to do is definitely, you know, keep Zaire, um, keep ramping him up slowly. But it wouldn't surprise me if they did move him to – that um that starting lineup and they slide Contra back to the bench. Maybe you you move Dylan Brooks back to the two and you go with Ja, Dylan, Zaire, Jaron, and Steven Adams. I mean, that's not a bad idea because I think Contra, while he's done a great job, you know, his best role is coming off the bench to help just because again, Zaire can do a little bit more with the ball. He is a more of a playmaker. And I do think that's to be an interesting thing to see, kind of how the Grizzlies <clears throat> tweak those lineups a little bit, because I do think that Zaire gives you a little bit more upside. He's played better in some of those bigger games. Obviously, you were there in, in Madison Square Garden where he played really well against the Knicks last year. And so I think for me, let's say for the Christmas Day game, if, if Bain isn't healthy, I would not be surprised if they rolled Zaire out to start or they already started Zaire starting so he could start by that game. Just because I think there's a little bit more that he can do. Um even though it still would be a, a, a you know a two weeks from back from being back, I think it'd be interesting. I think that might be 
kind of where this goes that you you have more options to play around with because obviously Zaire gives you that playmaking. He gives you the chance to shoot a little bit once he gets more comfortable. Um, so we'll see. But I do think that's interesting. And I do think that, um, again, not to put a lot of pressure on Zaire Williams, but of course how he plays is going to kind of be monitored to see kind of what this timeline for the Grizzlies will be going into the offseason. But for right now, I do think that having him back is an asset, especially with Desmond Bain out, because you do have somebody who is experienced, who is ready to show more what he can do. And I do think we're going to see a game in the next week or so where Zaire Williams' impact is fully felt. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. I I think so. Would it it surprise you at all, DeMichael? Because it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. It, it it wouldn't surprise me. And, and you know, we're talking about expectations with Zaire Williams. I, I don't mind throwing expectations on this guy and simply because, one, he's a, he's a top 10 pick, you know, mm-hmm. a couple seasons ago. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the, the second thing is the Grizzlies clearly have invested a lot in him. You know, mm-hmm. a lot – the actions tell us a lot, right? Uh, the Grizzlies – have invested. I mean, he was in the summer in summer league. I mean, the summer league just felt like it was built around Zaire Williams. You know, everyone else's improvement was important too, but you just felt like Zaire Williams and his growth was the most important thing. Kind of similar to Desmond Bain. You know, the previous season, Zaire Williams' growth was the most important thing. Putting him on the ball, putting him in uncomfortable situations. The coach is telling me, "Hey, you know, he made a mistake. We like the fact that he made mistakes." So we can see, you know, what he needs to work on, what he needs to improve on. And, again, this is a high first-round pick. You know, there's a lot of value just in that as well. So I, I would not be surprised if he's eventually moved to the starting lineup. For one, he started, you know, before ahead of John Conchar, you know, last season. And he was a rookie. He's clearly a more, you know, improved player at this point of his career. Now, of course, you know, we talked about it before with those those knee injuries and things like that, the mental, you know, part of that that you have to get past. But, I think in his case, you know, there was no structural damage. So uh, it should be, you know, an easier transition for him. I don't know if it is, but I would expect it to be one. And um, with all those things factored in, I think there's a solid chance. You know, we mentioned what he can do from the three-point line, the mid-range jumper, uh, getting to the rim where he made his first basket in transition, you know, uh, in traffic, making a layup. Uh, He brings a lot to the table. He has a bigger offensive skill set. You know, I think John Conchar, you can argue, is a more sound defender in terms of being in position, being in the right spots. But you can make the same argument for Zaire Williams just having, you know, the higher upside because he's 6'8 with long arms. And, and you're going to need that guy when you're going against, you mentioned the Warriors, right? So you're going to be playing against Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. You're going to need some length that can bother those shots. We've seen Dylan Brooks do it. We've seen Zaire do it in stretches. Those are the type of guys you need, you know, for those type of opponents. So, all in all, uh, I think there's a solid chance, you know, eventually. And like you said, we have to see how he looks in this ramp-up process. Uh, and I'm sure over the next week or so, his minutes will go up. He'll get more comfortable. And then maybe two weeks from now, we'll have a real firm idea on it if he's capable of getting a hold of that starting spot before Desmond Bain gets back. I agree. All right, you mentioned it. You, you mentioned something about the defense. Let's get into this before we wrap up here. Um, defensively, the Grizzlies have made a lot of strides. And I think during this 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 win streak, that's been something that I've noticed a lot more. And I'm sure you have too, that you know, the Grizzlies have gone from being a team that we thought was regressing defensively to now back to where they were the last few years under Taylor Jenkins. Um, I think it's probably one of the better developments because again, what makes this team so good is not just that 
Jaws a superstar who's going to do a lot of things. It's not just that Jaron Jackson is, you know, this, you know, get evolving into a, you know, a big man in the middle who can score offensively. It's defensively as a team, when they lock in, they can do really good things because they know how to just really rotate and do, you know, become the team that can, you know, shut teams down if they need to. So I'll just say for you, DeMichael, how have you been impressed with just kind of how they found their way defensively to be back to going from being one of the, you know, worst teams in the league in terms of perimeter defense and overall defense to now slowly regaining yeah. that form that we're used to seeing out of them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a surprise because I mean, like, again, you, you saw this happen with your own eyes last season. This is kind of mm-hmm. similarly played out in this way, but uh, it's, it's just these guys, you know, what I've noticed about the Grizzlies and their players defensively, they're prideful. You know, they're very prideful, and, and and that's the thing about defense. If you want to be a great defensive team, you have to have pride. When teams score on you, when teams hit, score 100 points, if teams hit 15 three-pointers, you have to be, quite frankly, you have to be mad. And watching the Oklahoma City Thunder game, right, I'm looking at Dylan Brooks. He's guarding, you know, Shea Gilders Alexander. He's following him everywhere up the court. As soon as he gets past the half-quarter line, Dylan Brooks is picking him up. Uh, he's not giving him an inch of space. Anytime a screen comes, you know, he's brushing through the screen, you know, being very physical because he doesn't want anyone else, you know, to pick up on Shea. He wants that matchup for himself. And then if Shea makes a tough shot over him, you know, he's letting out a scream because he's frustrated. Anytime he gets, you need that, you know. And, and what else you need is, is you know, the beginning of that Thunder game, uh, the Thunder scored six quick points. And I hear someone on defense, like, you know, yelling, let's go, guys, wake up, wake up. And I look, and it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Not surprising, really. But, you know, it just shows we we know Dylan Brooks is a vocal leader. And you hear Ja speaking on the court. You hear Steven Adams, you know, speaking, you know, on the court and sometimes even from the bench, bringing guys over, talking to guys as well. And now you got Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, in his fifth season, uh, kind of, you know, stepping into that role of, look, I made first team all defense last season. I, I have the voice to be a leader here. And even in, in its accountability, too. Uh, there was a situation where I saw Dylan Brooks and Taylor Jenkins both kind of were getting on Jaron Jackson Jr. after uh, he got beat up the court, I think, on consecutive OKC possessions for easy baskets. And Dylan Brooks, you know, said something to him on the sideline. Taylor Jenkins said something to him during the timeout as well. And it's like, this is a guy that was first team all defense, and they're getting on him. Every team doesn't have, you know, that type of accountability. You know, how many times, just historically speaking, have we seen, you know, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant take a bad shot and a teammate go in his face and say, that's a bad shot? You don't see it a lot. So when I saw Dylan Brooks walk up to Jaron Jackson Jr. and talking to him, and then, of course, Taylor Jenkins talking to him, coaches will do it more often. So, but <laughs> that that's just, you know... It just shows there's there's accountability throughout the roster, despite whatever your credentials may be. And that's the key to being a great defensive team. That's the key to being a great team overall. But it really stands out on the defensive end where, where it's pride and effort and those little things matter the most. See, that's why I listen to the Grizzlies podcast, because clearly, you know, with DeMichael being courtside, you hear these kind of things. And that's the kind of stuff you get when you listen to us. That's the kind of stuff that fans, I think, would be very impressed with, because, again, 
what I when I when I covered the team, the one thing I was most impressed with was you hear things differently. You see things differently courtside. And that's kind of what makes this game so fun is you hear those little things where, like you said, a Dylan Brooks going off going off on somebody or Taylor Jenkins saying something when you can't read his lips on a huddle. That's why you just that's why you listen to our podcast, guys, to get that stuff from DeMichael. And I think you're right too. Like there's an accountability on this team now where they've been to the playoffs two years in a row. There's an accountability where guys like Jaron Jackson, this is his fifth year, he understands, hey, you got to take ownership of being one of the best defensive players in the league. And there's also a sense of where everyone calls each other out in in a respectful way. Like I, I think I've you know heard Job Jobs often said, like, you know, hold me accountable. And so I think that attitude on the defensive end is really encouraging because to me, that's what makes this team a better unit because guys understand their roles. They're used to Taylor Jenkins system. They're now respecting the league for being a team that can just get after you defensively, which is why earlier this year was so shocking because if you thought the Grizzlies were going to take a step back, you would maybe point to the defensive angle, defensive end and say, that's probably where it is because clearly they were, they were a step off. And now again, Jaron Jackson's back in the mix. You see some of those things that are, are familiar to this team. You see the defensive intensity, you see, uh, guys moving around a little bit more. Um, obviously, John Morant, we talked about this before on the podcast, John Morant's getting more active in, you know, getting steals here and there. So overall, I think it's good to see this team get to where they were defensively. And I think now with Desmond Bain out, it's going to be very critical for them to lean on that defense because teams are going to be focusing on John Morant. Teams are going to be daring Dylan Brooks to take a bunch of shots. But I think if you can rely on your defense, that makes you a team that people can still respect and have to realize that oh snap these guys are still going to get after you and make us work or everything so yeah i, I like this uh, the grizzlies finding that identity again and i'm pretty sure we're going to see more of that in these upcoming games all right demichael before we get out of here um we know that as we again as we record this recording this on thursday the grizzlies have the pistons coming up on friday we know they got the hawks coming up on monday and then that big game against the bucks next thursday um one thing you're looking forward to Maybe in one of those games, is it the Pistons, is it the Hawks, or the Bucks? What's one thing you're looking forward to in those next three games? Trey versus Ja. <laughs> uh, you know, we were we were robbed of this matchup. I think it was twice last season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it, you could you you may remember, but wasn't it the Hawks the Grizzlies were playing when Ja got hurt that first time? Yes, it was. Yep, Ja okay. was hurt in the. Hurt in the first half, and I believe Trey Young went off after that. Uh-huh. Yep, that was that game. And then in Atlanta, Trey Young did not play. I was at that game. Right. And, you know, John Morant played in that game, but Trey Young didn't play. Well, the Hawks are off to a solid start, but DeJounte Murray, you know, per reports, is is going to be out uh, now for, for an extended period of time. I believe he has a left ankle sprain, and he's going to mm-hmm. be out for, you know, a, a couple weeks or so. So uh, it's going to be a heavy dosage of Trey Young. And, and anytime, you know, that's one of the top point guards in the East versus one of the top point guards, you know, in the Western Conference, two of the young guys. Uh, you know, I think it's, it's fun. You know, they're, they're big personalities. You know, you have the New York fans uh, that pretty much hate Trey Young. You know, you, the Golden State fans do not think highly of John Morant. You know, I think, I think it's just – Two guys who have a really big impact on basketball right now <laughs> and in, in their separate conferences. I love that storyline. I think it'll be fun to uh, watch that. And I may or may not have something in the works uh, related to that as well. 
Uh, don't tease the people like that, Michael. They may get excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, what I'm looking forward to is I'm, I'll go a little bit sooner. I'm looking forward to this game Friday. Again, the Grizzlies, Pistons, Grizzlies might be probably heavy favorites, but I, I'm looking forward to Jalen Duran's return, Jaden Ivey in Memphis for two reasons. One, Jalen Duran obviously was you know a great player here in Memphis for his lone season. It'll be good to see him back. In Memphis, I'm sure the FedEx Forum fans will give him a nice round of applause they do for all the great former Tigers who've played here. But also for Jay Nivey, I'm, I'm excited because we saw that first Pistons game. Uh, John Moran had a little sum for, you know, someone that he's kind of mentored a little bit. So uh, I'll be curious to see kind of how that game goes for, for Jay Nivey. Obviously, his mother, Neo Ivey, was a former Grizzlies assistant, so he was around this team a lot. And obviously, he learned some things directly from Jaws. He became a top player, and they went on to college and been a top player. So I'm excited to see Jay Nivey and Jalen Duran um, here on Friday. It should be a fun atmosphere. It'll be good to see where they are kind of in their young careers. Um, but, yeah, that Jaw and Trey will be fun. It's always fun. You know, we always look forward to those matchups. And uh, stay tuned to CommercialAppeal.com because we will have plenty of great coverage for you these next few days. Um, for DeMichael, I'm Evan. We'll see y'all next time. The Grizzlies Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.